You're listening to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the internet's nerdiest songwriting podcast. (laughs) Hello, wonderful, wonderful people of our podcast, our community, our family that's growing. And that is the subject today, twofold. We have not only someone that I've really, really enjoyed working with to the point where I thought, well, of the people that I've met, someone else deserves to do this job, if that makes sense, far more than I do. And I've really, really enjoyed helping this woman find her confidence in songwriting because she always had incredible skill from the day we met. I didn't think we would work together because when Julian introduced us, I thought, nope, she's got it way too sorted. But there were other things that we worked on, which is interesting. And the second half of that is we have a number of people that have submitted not only questions, you're going to be hearing from people, but we've also got three incredible tunes from three incredible writers that have reached out. So today we celebrate the coming of Emily Tolman. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for the introduction. So where are you coming from today? We're on Zoom, sadly we're not hanging out. I know. Um, it, it seems like I am in the UK, but I am in fact in Denver, Colorado, my hometown, lovely Denver, on such a winter's day. It is fall, but there's snow on the ground. I love it, because I'm not even in London either, mate. I'm in, I'm in Bordeaux. Oh, right, France. But hey, that's, it's the spirit. Must be, must be the accent. Um, so what we're going to do today... <laughs> First of all, I'll just do a bit of an introduction. So I met Emily through a producer called Julian Honinger and we'd worked together, I guess briefly, like just looking at your songwriting. The way I did it was, told you a brilliant songwriter. I believe it's best that people should be inspired to write first. And then once they kind of hit their straps and write a few songs, then you can start to tweak. But your understanding of songwriting from the, from the offset, you know, I would mention kind of quite nerdy terms. You go, oh yeah, that feels like this. Um, and Emily was always a great writer and is still a great writer. But I think the reason why I brought on the show and why I have confidence to recommend clients to her is because she has an understanding of herself, which is akin to not many people I've met because she suffered so incredibly. And as we went through the process, we found that was what was driving the songs. And I think it's quite special to have someone like you involved. So she's a ray of sunshine from from America. And we wanted to have a different voice, a different perspective. So this will be... The first inaugural, Independence Day, July 4th. No, this is Emily's help desk. So is there anything you would like to say about yourself to the people? That, that, that's actually a great introduction. I feel like that, that's very, fairly thorough. Um, I would say one thing that you touched upon is that I already had a lot of understanding of songwriting going into it. I would say what really taught me was studying max martin songs anybody who's yes. first starting out look no further because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we bonded on right i would talk about melodic math or i talk about lyrical deep diving stuff that i've kind of pulled together over almost 10 years and you were like cool i've not heard of it exactly like that but i'm pretty sure it's this and i was like yeah it's exactly that it doesn't need to be too complicated but yeah i just think emily's energy is is special and quite unique and even when tq is helping with this show you guys met very briefly on a crossover he went, who the, who the hell was that? Like, what a wonderful human. And I know about Emily that her, her brightness, and you can see she might be shy or you, you get to know her, that, that shit comes out. And I think it's driven by quite a lot of difficulty that you've had in your life, especially recently. You know, I think like w- when we met, it was very raw. What you've been able to do is, is turn that into great writing. I remember a time when I went, she doesn't need help with songwriting or it was such a small percent. I was like, this isn't justified that you pay for that because it would just take you stepping away as you'll do today and just like redirecting people 
So we'll be talking a bit more about Emily as we go and I'll chat about her at the end. But what we're going to do is let Emily have the reins. So imagine I'm handing over two leather reins to you across the internet. If you just want to take them and tell us what we're going to do today's show. Cool. Okay. To start out, we're going to be talking about a few songs that were submitted by listeners that are amazing. I love that. And what we'll do, I should have said, you can have a little listen. Not only are we going to have the honor, and I actually remember hearing from Stu when I was really struggling with something like, it was illness mixed with burnout. It was, it was a weird time. And I got an email through um, from Stu and I, I, I saw his question and I heard his songs and he sent a couple of tunes. We only listened to one today. It really is incredible. And I do not take for granted the fact that not only Emily is here and she's joining the family, but you guys are hearing. Then take the time to email. You then take the time to share your songs with us. And we're lucky enough that we can have those fires and we'll be playing that right now. If I ever get to Austin by Stu Neal. Yes, I've never really been there I only passed through once or twice I read about it in a magazine And thought that kind of living sure looks nice Sometimes you need a change Sometimes change finds you Sometimes a moment tells you what you gotta do If I ever get to Austin, I'd be starting something new If I ever get to Austin, tell my old life that I'm through If I ever get to Austin, I could make some dreams come true If I ever get to Austin, I don't know if I'll be there with you We'd always want the same things You said you'd want to settle down It's been tough lately and that's all my fault I brought you to this one street to lie dead in town Sometimes you need a change, sometimes change finds you Sometimes a moment tells you what you gotta do If I ever get to Austin, I'd be starting something new If I ever get to Austin, tell my old life that I'm through If I ever get to Austin, I could make some dreams come true If I ever get to Austin, I don't know if I'll be there with you I gotta hope that Texas there just blows your blues away I gotta find a way back to your heart Yeah, I could be anywhere, but baby that's okay Cause anywhere would be a brand new start If I ever get to Austin, I'd be starting something new If I ever get to Austin, tell my old life that I'm through if I ever get to Austin, I could make our dreams come true If I ever get to Austin, I just want to be there with you 
that was If I Ever Get to Austin by Stu Neal. Love it. Love this tune. Love this tune. One thing that I noticed about it is I was hooked from the first note. And I think that's a byproduct of having a great groove uh, and a great performance. I really felt like you knew how to choose an appropriate BPM for what you were going for. That is lovely. But on top of that, one thing that I noticed is that you have a great reveal in this track. So you don't start out talking about Austin. It's not like your first lyric. Or you don't talk about it explicitly. You start describing a place a little bit more in vague. And then in the chorus, you reveal it's about Austin. But not only do you reveal that, you also wait until the first chorus to make it evident that it's more of a longing, more of a pining song. Because you're talking about, oh, if I ever get to Austin, um, I, I hope that this particular lover will be there, but who's to say? Um, I think it's great that you took your time with that and you didn't give us everything right away. One of my favorite songwriters and songwriting teachers who I first initially learned from when I was more self-taught was Pat Patterson. Um, Praise be to Pat. Sorry, go on. He talks about this quite a bit. Um, The idea of thinking of your song as a procession. Uh, Specifically, he talks about a wedding procession as an example. What he means by that is that you don't start off with the dress, you know, (laughs) Um, you don't, (laughs) you want to start out, um, perhaps with something else. Like you have like family members, you have like the, the, the children, you know, and then the end of the procession is the bride. She's taken so much time to get ready, looks immaculate. That's how I want you to think about your songwriting where you want to save big interval jumps or like sweet spots of your voice for later in the tune maybe the chorus, maybe it's the second chorus, maybe even you wait so far as the bridge or the middle eight. But I just love the way that you give us a little bit of detail at a time. It really keeps me listening and engaged. Damn, I'm out. I mean, like I said, guys, I'll leave you with Emily and uh, I will now quit the podcast. All good. Callum and I are out. Up next is Someone Like Me by Dylan Martinson. Should have known it wasn't real when I woke up after two. Should have known better than to think I'd be with you. I've been told you're out of my league, but I can't see the problems. Date someone like me. familiar with the friend zone, afraid to look ahead, but frankly it's exhausting, so I think I'll go to bed, but that's where I run to when I'm afraid, cause I Be with me.
Someone Like Me by Dylan Martinson. All right. First off, I will say your voice is incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah. I remember <laughs> we, we just before this, we were doing some like prep and Emily had listened beautifully and she'd gone through some notes and I was kind of reminding myself and I heard it. I was like, I was doing the Pharrell, like African granddad thing. We just like, whoa, like go for it. Like I heard the tone in the voice and um, really beautiful. And I think as a very arrogant, self-important lifetime singer i think you hear i hear a tone like that and it's like wow just incredible so yeah go for it what do you think yeah yeah we were, we were having a pharrell and maggie rogers moment if oh. you know that reference every single aspect of your song whether it be the tone um maybe the rhythm pattern maybe the production uh is really in unity with the vision and the meaning of the song so in this case I would say you achieve really good prosody or unity by having more of a vocal fry in your voice while yeah. you're talking about something that's more desperate, more longing in terms of your subject matter. I really thought that was brilliant. I want to hear more people doing that. And then another thing that I really thought was incredible is that you have this overarching concept that you really convey well in your chorus. and then you reinforce that by going into more everyday specifics in your lyrics. Like I love that little lyric about turning on the TV. It really makes me feel like I'm in your living room and it gives me a supporting point. Like I said, that really reinforces your chorus. The last thing I will say that I love about it is that it's very short. It's short and sweet. It's not even three minutes long. I love that because it's radio format. First of all, second of all, it's good on the attention span. Uh, mm. The attention span is a commodity, basically. So the fact that you can grip me for like that short period of time, but it doesn't feel superfluous uh, is really great. I think you did a great job making everything really succinct and telling a story. Uh, and I really didn't feel like it was slightly under three minutes long. Like if you really have that transporting effect with your music, it almost doesn't matter how long it is. Mm. I love those points. And I think that was something I picked up on as well because the voice had me instantly. And if anything, it's, it's such a good voice that it does make you want to listen again because you almost missed the lyrics. I was kind of just so caught up in the experience of, like you said, when there's a fry, you're, you're, it, can be, it can be painful. It's very difficult to develop that in your voice, for example. So putting your voice on the line, your life on the line, your job on the line to record a song that people can feel it might seem counterintuitive when people hear like the pain 
and the work that you've put in and the discipline of your voice. And like Emily saying, it's kind of bittersweet adds to that. I think that's beautiful. And then the second verse came straight in like that. I think it was like 42 seconds. He was straight into the second verse or part of the way through it. Um, has an incredible effect. And like Emily saying, what I would say it like when a train is leaving the station, you feel that motion change. But often if it's a smooth ride, you might not notice you're going 150 miles an hour. That's a great song. It's a smooth, enjoyable, um, person focused journey. Like I said, using, using the right pronouns and imagery to be in the room. Suddenly you're on the TV. You're on the couch or turning on the TV. You're in that world. So yeah, beautiful description there, Emily. Is there anything else you're thinking about for this one? For Dylan? Just that it's, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. your voice is very different in genre, but it has the same kind of appeal to me as when I listen to Lewis Capaldi, because he does have wow. this really beautiful baritone voice, but he fries it at the same time. It's not lacking. Um, it's this, this grittiness in addition to something more beautiful. I love that. Keep it up. Really well said. And I think when you talk about the grittiness, that's the fourth dimension of a singer, which is the performance. You got lyric, melody, I guess that's the addition is the, the intention of that. And why is he doing that? Why is he frying his voice? I think it has a huge amount. And when you hear a voice like that, you can't really fake that with plugins. That's why I think they're quite unique. And some of the biggest country stars do have that. And he's taken the time to record a beautiful vocal as well, which adds to it and, and it matches the energy. And I think the mixed spaces and the choices and making it feel much the same. I think it's a really professional product. So thank you so much. And I appreciate you writing in as well giving us your songs, giving us your time and allowing us to do the show. So awesome. Thank you, Emily. What is the next song, the third one and the final one for today? All right. Third and final song is Bluebird by Scott Rustin. Here it is. That night at the Bluebird, the whole thing exploded more than we hoped it would be If you took me back now to the heart of that town Then you know that's where you'll find me With your hand in my hand And our lives and our plans Everything carried us through I wrote you a love song One like the last one Wrote a love song for me too There we were together at last We felt so wild and free Let's wave goodbye to the rest of our lives With a glass of southern whiskey truck Suddenly something it came out of nothing We knew it always be stuck Right here in this small town where nobody's let down We knew we'd be here for a while You carry me now with my dreams and my doubt 
Let's watch as this old song goes down by Scott Rustin. Wow. This song is the closest one to making me cry today, for sure. I love that. You should be proud. Uh, instantly, the comparison that I wanted to make is to John Prine, just in terms of the production simplicity, your melodic choices, your tone of voice, uh, and also the storyline-type lyrics. Um that's a, I, I feel like a hard um, person to kind of feel like you're on the same level with because it's yeah. so legendary, but you're doing it here. There's a brilliant simplicity to everything that you're doing too. It's not too produced. Like I said, I think one of my favorite parts is that you really introduce us to the song lyrically. Initially, you start to talk about, you know, your, your initial concept. And then in the second verse, you go into this beautiful story mode where yes. I can really picture myself there once again, kind of like what I was saying with the other tune. But I, I feel like just it, even more with this track where it's just like, I can imagine myself being in that truck, being in that desperate town, being in that situation. All of these specifics are just so good and really reinforce your story. Yeah, wonderful. I think um, I, I know Mark, who's he, Scott Rustin. Um, you might have seen Mark on our Instagram. He's one of the wild writers. So he's the first one that's been sending videos and I want wild songwriters out there. And just as a side note, the first song that he sent me, sent us, which we reviewed on the show, Callum and I, which I think he'd recorded in his back room on his iPhone voice notes and then he'd taken individual voice notes of his guitar and his vocal that he was literally playing off an acoustic and they put it up onto a website and had that all kind of put together to make a song and you hear this 
this is the next thing he sends, like maybe two months later, I turn it on and like Emily, I went, wow, I'm, I'm there. Wherever that is, I'm there. And then he unravels the story and he has a great voice as well. He, he's appropriating, as I think we all do, I definitely do, the American accent. He's actually from, I believe it's Norfolk in England. So that's north, like just, just northeast of, of London. So he does a beautiful job, right? You, as an American, you wouldn't yeah. necessarily pick up that it wasn't American. No, native. you could have fooled me. Like I, the first thing that I thought of was John Prime. So well, that's, that's literally what you said. I was like earlier, we were here listening to, I think he will love that. And I know that he works incredibly hard. He's, he's a, he's a family man. He's a teacher. He has picked up songwriting again out of love for it. Much like Stu, Stu and Mark, I actually introduced, which is beautiful. So Stu is the first song you heard. He's also sent us a question, so he's been extremely generous. And I wanted to kind of tie all three together, and maybe it's because Callum and I are just obsessed with country music, and we're finding that those are the people that, that get in touch. But it's a real pleasure to hear three songs. I would say, I'm guessing from the, from the timbre and what I know, they're gentlemen in a similar part of their lives, but they all have this incredible love for music. They've written really bittersweet, tasteful, and considered songs, and they've sent them to us so Thank you, gentlemen, so much for that. And it's really funny to hear country music. Country music is uh, the best music. I even heard um, Matt Healy from 1975 saying they play country music because what is it? Three chords and the truth, right? Their new record sounds incredibly country. They actually yeah. have fiddle on it. Exactly. Because what it is, it's, it's, so it would have been the transatlantic slave trade that then comes through to Southern American music. And then that mixes with Appalachian, which is European folk music and then you have the blues with folk and you have this incredible genre that lives with us still today and country music is is so prevalent and it's so bittersweet and it's difficult and it's storytelling which is all the things we try and embody in the show and we do we do talk about about pop and emily and i were talking about the new taylor swift record but taylor swift is a country artist in a lot of ways so anything else you want to say about the three tunes that we've heard apart from much love and thank you what are you thinking emily fantastic 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 keep up the good work ace so thank you guys as you can hear we'll do our best to give you some time and space on the show and i think emily will be taking care of um, a lot of the feedback going forward because she's able to articulate things in a way i trust her to do a great job that's why i think you'll be hearing from her more but also she's someone you can reach out to if you have any questions about songwriting thank you guys so much as i said for the songs and now we're going to move on to the three questions that we have today. And I wanted to start with one that, so Vasya Tremsin is a really cool artist who's now moved to LA. Someone I've been speaking to for about a year or so. Then there's Sarah Kennedy as well, who I've been speaking to quite recently, I guess. And I've been aware of her work for a while. And Emily, you said you've, you've seen her TikToks, right? I've, I've seen you on TikTok. Um, lovely work. They had essentially the same question. So what I've done is kind of knitted it together. And what you're going to hear is Vasya's audio. So you're going to hear his lovely voice coming to you right now. All right, so my question is, um, as an up-and-coming artist, building relationships and or networking is one of the most important aspects of your career for, for everyone, obviously, right? And so, you know, people often say that you need to give value first before you receive value from anyone. And that's the most important kind of factor in establishing and building and maintaining these relationships. Um, but my question is, you know, when, let's say, let's say you're in LA or you're in Nashville or in New York, one of these places, um, even if you can offer some value, it's really hard to really kind of like get in the room and just to get to know these people. So what is the best way to approach 
just getting to know people that are professionals, that are good at songwriting, that are good at producing, that are good at, you know, coaching, that are good at um, the craft to be able to work with them. And, you know, in a lot of these relationships, there's kind of money involved in it as well. So I'm often confused as when, for example, a producer expects me to pay, you know, $2,000 for a project or where, you know, they like my talent and they want to just work with me because they like my voice and my songwriting, right? So building those relationships and where to meet people who are actually good and what is the best way to approach them, whether it's like Instagram DMs or um, yeah, any, any, any other strategies related to this topic would really help. So Emily, based on what you heard there, what are your initial thoughts on that question? How can people go around and make those meaningful relationships and get in rooms? Well, first off, I will say I like that you use the term meaningful relationships. Yeah. And I think that it is important to say that versus networking. It really changes the way that you think about it. So just that Hugely. little subtlety. The second thing that comes to my mind is that there's really no particular right answer like there's so many ways to go about it just like if somebody says like how do you write a song like well some days i start with the baseline some days i start with the lyrics but i will say that there are a couple little rules of thumb that i will yeah. say if you're approaching people online in my experience i've been approached by people online who are local to me and then that has led to more work and more opportunities with my writing production performing, et cetera. And people who have a really solid skill set and a really solid portfolio and a lot of experience have a little bit more leverage in terms of like how quickly they can get their foot in the door. Yeah, cool. So if you're a brand new artist, like you don't want to be instantly asking these people like, oh my God, I want to collaborate with you. One thing that I did personally that opened up a lot of doors for me is I met somebody who was a musician and ran a local studio. And I was like, hey, I'm pretty new to this at this point, but I'm interested in what you do. I'll be your intern. I cleaned his floors for a year. And that That's opened crazy. up a lot of doors for me. That's a really good example. I was hoping you would go into some of your stories, but cleaning floors for a year, why did that open doors for you? Because I was willing to be generous with my time. And I was willing to show that have the discipline as well. Those two things really helped. We say fuck networking, build relationships. That's what Vasi is asking. Meaningful relationships. And when you put yourself at a crossroads, which is working at a studio, if you're willing to clean the floors, you're willing to, to coil cables, you're going to meet people. Same way that Jody put herself at the desk reception of, I believe, it was Parlophone Records. That's what she said. Um, when you're there, not only are you working and learning, well, the same when I put myself in Rainbow Wood, what we're focusing on is that song, this day, this thing. But what you get is the context. You get, you know, what, what you talk about at lunchtime, what you are able to come into co contact with, what projects he, they'll share with you and what you see and that whole process. And that's why I think even talking about online, online can be strange and often, um, so Arya Kunstler is someone I've worked with for a while. And he said, when I spoke to him, which is what I believe Emily would do when she speaks to one of you guys, the last thing I talk about is what I've done. When I spoke to Arya, He's been on calls with people that have said, so I've done this, I've had this many records, platinum this, mix that. But unless he goes, yeah, but at what point do you start talking about how you can help me? That's not what, what, what we do. So think about when you're approaching online, try and come across as a person. Don't go po portfolio first. If they ask for it, of course, have your songs ready. If you're in person, like Emily's saying, I know for a fact Emily had been, she was sort of in 
was it was it a bathroom with one of the singers at an open mic night and she was like juggling her rosé doing a lipstick getting quite anxious and you were there just sort of like coaching her through some warm-up stuff or there was a guy who played warp tour played some cool bands and he just came in and gave him some perspective on the things he was working on honestly and maybe a practical tool i know vasi is probably moving to, to la so he's going to need this but don't be afraid to buy people a sandwich like i said we talked about like 20 dollars for a starbucks some sandwiches can get you a career if you pick the right person to chat to and if you offer to pay i think it's a kind of often forgotten thing building goodwill that's what emily was saying you know people that don't know you so that would be my one thing and then there's so many things you can go and do like emily's saying but very simply build relationships and then what i've said to sarah and to vasia individually is when it's not about networking because networking is turning up once a week sort of looking at the walls behind people's shoulders maybe having some wine and saying yep done some work today relationships as emily and i have talked about in our sessions a lot and your music really comes from that very horrible difficult place of kind of pulling someone out of your life out of your nervous system and picking that kind of root that's stuck in you building meaningful relationships is not only very difficult requires attention but it takes a long time before people really come and work with you but then you find be very careful who you work with or as emily and i've talked about you know who you love or who you spend time with because they're very hard to unpick but then the positive side of that because this is a practical positive show because we need that at the moment it can be the best friend that you've never found best friend you've never had thus far like the missing brother or someone you might well argue with this is a relationship but suddenly it doesn't become how do i send out as many emails at once to people that have never seen me to how do i get into one studio and make a mark make myself indispensable and have a really fucking good time while you do it so that would be my thoughts emily anything else coming to you cheers yes the buying people lunch thing is often positively surprising for people yes I yeah on that. um and the other last thing that i will say is that i have been approached by people before who have asked me if they want me to work with them pretty soon into the process and the yeah. people who i've said yes to very prepared uh, and have really good attention to detail. Like you talk like about Julian. Julian, the producer, our our mutual friend slash colleague that you spoke about earlier. The reason why I was actually very quick to work with him is because I get a lot of messages of people saying like, hey, send me your links, send me more about your music. But Julian came to me and it was already like, I've listened to all of your demos that you have up. I, he went through the trouble to actually yeah. find them and listen to all of my music before starting conversation. And I had never received a message like that before. So a little attention to detail goes a really long way. And Julian is uh, my Liebling Ashlog, which is my, my favorite asshole in German. So there you go. Have that. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. But I wouldn't be speaking to you today, Emily. I wouldn't have had your light in my life. I wouldn't have had your patronage and your time and your money. Someone that's invested a lot in their own songwriting. That wouldn't have happened if he hadn't have taken the time to sit in his flat in Linz in, in Austria. We know where you are, my love. And just take the time. He really does care about the people he works with. He puts in a lot of work every day to send a genuine message. So does, so does James as well that he works with. So that is just another example. How do you be, meaning, be build meaningful relationships? Forgive me. Takes a bit of time, takes a bit of work. And I think I benefit 
from spending time writing five brilliant messages or one recording a loom this is something i want to maybe add on really practically loom is just a way of sending really quick decent quality video and audio screen recording and also audio recording the amount of interviews i've got with this the amount of doors have been opened because suddenly someone's not looking at pixels like they've looked at all day they're getting a video of you whether they like you or not they're going wow i can see 150 things i can probably assume about this person including their energy looming is a really cool way to do it if you can't get there in person but as emily's saying if you want to find a mentor the only way i've found mentors or even friends which is what they've become which is a testament to how kind they are with their time and picking the right person you've got to get on a fucking train you've got to get on a plane you've got to send some emails you've got to follow up on linkedin you've got to buy some lunches i believe that poor people should buy rich people lunch it doesn't necessarily mean financially i've never had a better feeling from spending five quid on a drink or a sandwich for someone else than spending 160 quid on myself which i don't do very often but spending money investing in the goodwill and not expecting it back that's the go-giver mentality so I know that's quite a lot to unpick and hopefully you'll find your flavor of what we've spoken about in that question. But Vasya and Sarah, I think it's a really pressing issue that's that's quite clear. And the only way I solved it was starting this podcast and people come, people go. But once you've put that route in, done the work, built the goodwill, normally that door is open. Busy people are busy. Get back to the top of their list in a, in a respectful way, which is kind of what Emily's saying as well. If you message someone, be respectful. Great. Yeah. One more thing, I noticed you dropped the term go-giver in there. If people don't have context for what that is, that's a oh, book yeah. that will teach you a lot about professional relationships and how to be magnanimous, and that is your recommended reading for this particular topic. Boom, sponsored by, I love to be sponsored by Bob Burr. So it's called The Go-Giver. I think I bought it for like 15 people, and I always try and have a copy to, to send out. As you can tell, Emily and I could talk for hours, and we do, like I said, the next question, I would like to read this one out because I think this was kind of one of my favorites. And what I found is, like we talked about earlier, there are thousands of ways to tell the same story. There are unending ways to tell your story. But what I find there are kind of maybe 10 tenants in songwriting and things that we come back to. So I had a message through our, our page on Instagram. So if you want to send anything whether that's wild songwriter submissions, which is videos of you playing, which we'll post, um, or questions like this. So this is from Rian Kelly. I've never heard it said, so I'm assuming that's how you say it. From Melbourne, Victoria. So I'm looking forward to actually hanging out with him. I was a bit late replying, so I felt it was quite appropriate. We're probably going to hang out in Australia when, when I get out there in February. So this is as he wrote it, and I'll kind of summarize. So what is a realistic, achievable songwriting goal? It needs to be an outcome that is only influenceable, but not ultimately controllable for example if the goal is to write 100 songs that is controllable so doing 100 songs is something you can control but we want something only influenceable like streams on youtube also to avoid demotivating it needs to be within the realm of possibility for someone just starting out any thoughts so how i read that i've tried to be true to how i read that so i butchered that i'm really sorry mate i think it's the, it's the lights of my dyslexia what he said was beautiful and actually i ended up sending about maybe 10 voice notes you know kind of the minute limit just hitting it endlessly not only because i was late and i don't i wouldn't like that to happen to me he didn't care he's chill but i was really fired up because it's a great question it's like what can you do to forward your songwriting career practically today that's within your control that will not demotivate you and you do not give away to other people so i have some thoughts but what came to mind for you emily 
when you heard that butchered question? When I heard this question, the first thing that came to my mind is, okay, this is one of those questions that is a songwriting question on the surface, but it's actually a self-awareness question. Damn, girl, you talk. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What really comes to my mind with this is it's going to be so individualized for everyone. What's a realistic goal for you? Let's say you've spent every single day the past 10 years refining your abilities in vocal performance. It might be a realistic voice or it might be a realistic goal for you to audition for the voice. However, if you're just starting out, that might not be the case. You have to be uh, able to self-evaluate to really figure that out. Like for me, writing a hundred songs in a short period of time, I would not call that a realistic goal because I know myself. I would say if I were going to finish maybe a song a week this month, that would feel like, you know, pressure, the clock is ticking, but I could do it. I could probably do a good job. Get to know yourself. That's what I would say. I love that. And I think when you talk about writing 100 songs, when I was speaking to Ariadne, and this is relevant, Rian, but she's someone else that I work with. And I said, how many songs do you think I write a month, Ariadne? And she was like, oh, because she'd heard the podcast and she knows how much of a maniac I am and I'm serious and severe ADHD and, and madness. But she was like, oh, maybe 20 a month. I was like, hmm, sometimes mo- no more than two. And when I started writing songs, you know, 10 years ago, or whenever it was, longer than that, I guess, probably wrote one or two a month maximum. There was a time when I was writing nine to five, Monday to Friday for six months. And I wrote a lot of songs then. So I think it comes with like an overflowing of the well when you need to get them out and you really want to focus on your craft, you do need to kind of write quite a lot in a short period of time. But what he said was, essentially, how do I further my career while being effective and practical in my practice of songwriting? So writing enough, I would say write high quality and really focus. But also, how do I do that without being demotivated because I'm not writing however many songs a month? Even that that choice of uh, number, a hundred a certain period of time, yeah, because all we hear when we go online is that it's kind of quite a toxic thing. You watch a reel and they start the reel and then the middle of the reel might be at least a year later or months or weeks later and the end of the reel might be like where they are 10 years later. But in our heads we go, why have we not achieved that? Instead of going, no, no, if you go and look at a songwriter, they've written hundreds, you know, Neo, Ryan, Ted are the people that come to mind. So Rian's question, like you said, touches on some really, really important things. So to lay it out more practically for him, Choose the amount of songs that you feel like is not stressful, like Emily said. Doesn't need to be stressful. One a week might be way too much, considering you need two to three, maybe four 90-minute sessions. If you work full-time, if you have a rich life, that's hard to do. If you have time on the weekends, for sure, write a song a week. Get it ABC, verse, pre-chorus, and then look at it and go, do I like that? Yeah, brilliant. If you listen to this show, you're probably a massive fucking nerd for songwriting. So what that gives you is a superpower to go, If I write one song really considered, trying to bear in mind things that Emily talks about, I talk about, you can find online. If I write one song like that, I might do the work of 15 average songs in terms of what it means and how much weightlifting I'm doing for my songwriting. So write something focused. Don't overload yourself to the point where you can't even start. Don't try and pick up a 250 kilogram bench press. That made no sense to people that know Jim. So I'll leave that out there. Um, start, start what you think you can do and, What I really want to say 
was you could never write a bad song if it's honest. We talked about catharsis and therapeutic ideas of songwriting today. And Emily and I have worked on that pretty much the whole time we've worked together. And do that, Rian. Write what you think is honestly at your potential. There's how good you are, how able you are, how able you are also to reproduce it. But those two things together then make your potential higher, make you a better writer. So write efficiently, focused. And the second part of that, when we're talking about streams or YouTube or likes or anything, we all get caught up in that. We all feel like we're looking upward, so to speak. And the funny thing is every single person, including the biggest in the world, always feels like they're looking upward because there's someone else, someone else that maybe has done better than them at a younger age. Suddenly they're looking upward. That's not healthy. If you write something, make sure that it's encapsulated before you even think about uploading it to distribution or releasing it. Has that done its job? Has it made me feel like I've been able to say what I want to say? Does it feel like the therapy, the catharsis that we all start writing for? So very simply for him, how many songs do you want to write in a year? And then break it down to 90 days, then break it down to sort of 15 days or two weeks and go, hmm. Given my life, and I know myself, like Emily's saying, be realistic, you want to get to that year mark, can I write 20 in a year? And if they're 20 bangers in a year, you've done more work than some people in a decade. So I think you have to understand that scale. Hopefully that makes sense. He has the benefit of me having explained that probably equally manically on Instagram. Simply, those are the kind of ideas. I think, like Emily said, if you have self-awareness, I always say, actually, yes, I do teach people to write songs, but Mainly I teach him how to think about writing songs, how to think about themselves, how to be self-aware enough to catch an idea that maybe is inefficient for people's attention. We're not going to drag people in as quickly. So what else are you thinking on that one, Emily? All right. I, I like um, this concept you bring up of like looking up when it comes to your goals. I feel like that's good for your self-awareness to realize that that's something that can happen. And something that I do to counteract that is that once I make a goal for myself, I don't think about it all the time. Like I think about it in the morning when I do my priming. Uh, it's when you start your day off with intention, essentially. But then throughout the day, I don't really think about the goal. I think about systems and what systems I have in place that make me happy with the work that I'm doing. So for me, I feel like my songwriting is really natural when I'm already being healthy. Uh, when I'm exercising, when I'm waking up at a certain time, I'm not saying you have to wake up early, but I notice that my brain does really well uh, first thing in the morning when it comes to writing. Again, it's a matter of self-awareness. And yeah, like I said, focusing more on your systems, your rituals, and what you're repeatedly doing in your life is going to be a lot better on your psyche than saying to yourself, or I need to get a Grammy, something like that. Oh God, yeah, that one. I mean, of course, you know, if they if they come, they come. But what I want to pick out there, Emily, which is really cool, before we move on to the last question from Stu, who's not, as, not only submitted a song, but also a question. So thank you so much for that. When we talk about us as human beings, like Grace Jackson said, songwriting process, the songwriting process is exactly the same as life. There's no difference between those two things. So Give yourself a goal you can achieve. And like Emily said, if you're eating well, if you're sleeping well, if you're happy, if you've got a varied and rich life, you probably have a lot to write about. Also, there's an element of discipline you need to add to that, which is really well said. So getting yourself to sit down and write, but find out when is good for you. Maybe don't do that workout in the morning. Get up, do your songwriting, then do your workout. 
because you, you, we have these focus patches, if you will, maybe three times 90 minutes a day that we can use. And they're often, they'll probably be wasted in terms of if, you, if your goal is to write a song today, probably get at it before lunchtime, at least start. Afternoon, you can do some reflection and songwriting. You might find in the afternoon, you've got messages from friends or your family, or you, you suddenly rolled into something else you can't get out of today. Maybe try a few morning pages of writing. Or if, if the evenings are the place you, you know you can protect, I really want to throw in the fact that like right now, Emily and I are doing a morning session for her, evening session for me, because I think her mental health at the moment will benefit from having a morning schedule, getting some of the light in the winter. Because we look at holistic stuff when, when I work with people is everything is important to how good your songs are. If you know you can protect your evening space, go ahead and do it. I also want to bring in, like Emily said, there's, there's so many ways to think about songwriting. Mornings are good, but if you're an evening person, I like to call it the severed mindset. I find it's almost like being inebriated when I'm a bit tired. I might be a little bit angry. I've kind of had enough of the day. That can sometimes, if you've protected that space, be a really good time to pick up and just write. You might sing like quite hard that it hurts. You might pull the emotion out. You might be, like I said, a bit severed, a bit detached from yourself. You know, those films where they kind of the spirit comes out and the, the body falls backwards. So find your time of the day and protect it. Just be clever. So yeah. as I said, em- Emily, Emily and yeah. I, once you, once you find the tenants of songwriting, can talk about it all day. So the last question, which I will do my best not to butcher because it is quite a normal sentence as well written in English as was written. Stuart Neal, his question is, is it ever too late to get into the songwriting game? I don't even know myself if I'm doing it purely for my own enjoyment or if I'm hoping to get something else. So is it ever too late to get into the songwriting game? Short answer, no. Are you still breathing? Yeah, if you're, if you're still breathing, you can probably sing and you can probably songwrite. I really think that it's actually important for there to be more visibility for people who started later in the game. 100%. Um, if, if you want an example, I would say Leonard Cohen is a good one. He doesn't write, he doesn't write music for um, people who are younger at all. Like it's a lot of, he deals with a lot of like darker, kind of poetry, heavier subject matter. Essentially, yeah. It's very poetic. Yeah, it's definitely more driven by the lyrics than the melody in terms of his compositional style. But yeah, it's honestly never too late. And the more different voices there are in this big dialogue that we're all engaging in as songwriters, the better. Honestly. Yeah, it's beautifully said. I want to point out Liz Rose. I don't think I can do justice to the strength of that human being. So just Google Liz Rose. Um, Mark Scott Rustin had a similar question to Stu. That's why I connected them, which was cool. Both guys that are over a certain age that have lived their life. And as Emily said, when you have wisdom, when you have life experience, you can just hit the nail right on the head sometimes. When you put your mind to it, when you can, kids are squared away, wife or husband is happy, you have time to go into your space, protecting that space, which gets harder as we get older. But it might be harder when you're older, but I find that you have the wisdom, you have the clarity to hit on those points, the self-awareness. Um, I like to call it the loop of songwriting. I think Rian, I think Mark, I think Stu, I think all of us, even the people I work with that are like flying all over the world and doing shows here and there, everyone is an incredible writer, but very few people are confident and aware enough of it, which I like to say is like closing the loop. It's almost like you've got your hands around two sides of a big tree. 
your right hand is making its way around the bark, your left hand is making its way around the bark another way. But I realize when you connect your hands, you go, oh, this is a tree. I- I've got that loop. I-, I know myself. I know I can do this. When you know you're a good writer, so to, to Stu and having heard the song today and looking at your question, there is a question of time. But let's say it even takes five, six, seven years to become a professional songwriter. You've got ages. You've got many times that to get there. So discipline, like Emily was saying, is like pick a goal. What is your goal? If you're doing it just for fun, if you don't know if you want to do it professionally, you don't know if you want to do it for fun, the process is the same. So just crack on, you know, try and write something every now and again. Um, If listening to this show is helpful, we really appreciate it. But there's some incredible, incredible podcasts. Um, I think his name is Brandon Flowers. He did an interview with Andreas Stolpe from Berkeley. That was a great one. He started at 42. We're talking numbers in, in in the range of what I know about Stu. Sam Hunt started at 23. I think there are a few late bloomers. He did 23 to 30 and that's seven years of work plus what he did before. And he was already a high school quarterback, good looking, great with people, incredible writer and singer before that. You've got to put the time in if you want to do it professionally. I'm currently in a dark period, if you want to call that, of not having really had that thing, but I'm just tunneling away, just tunneling away still. To the point of the show is there are people out there still breathing, still working. Uh, Songtown's an incredible resource. And if you are interested as well, because I think I've had a, I've had a couple of messages from people and my rate is not exorbitant in any way, but it's, it's not that cheap either. So that's another reason why we have this wonderful woman on the podcast with us today is that ever since I met Emily, which was a while ago, I was very aware of her understanding of songwriting was brilliant. Her self-awareness was brilliant. Um, but you were in a very difficult and dark place and having watched you go through that progression holistically, unpicking very difficult things with me and being very vulnerable in sessions and yeah, things that might have had other people ending their lives. It's something that you had to kind of vomit up and look at and write beautiful songs about. So Emily's the only person thus far that I would trust to work with people that are involved in the show. And I know for a fact that if you want to reach out to Emily, she'll be in the show notes, but Emily Tallman, Godline, she'll offer you a call where you can just get to know her, see if you guys want to work together, if that's something you're interested in. Because as you can hear, she's great. And I'm kind of approaching my client capacity, which is is a blessing. Like it's crazy that I can say that thanks to people like Julian. But if you want to talk to someone who is probably more passionate about songwriting than me, to be completely honest, in terms of hours put in, Emily is here. So thank you guys for the question. Thank you guys for the songs. Thank you massively to Emily for agreeing to do this with me and you'll be hearing from her as often as she would like you to hear from her. Is there anything else you want to close with? Anything that you want to say to the peeps out there doing that song round tank? You know, what I was thinking about just now, um, first of all, like, thank you. I'm grateful that you give me an opportunity to talk about something that I love. And I really think that's what it boils down to for me in terms of keeping a good mindset, even when things around you seem like they're falling apart and are going awry, is you can find simple things to be grateful for. It's really, uh, I found that it's it's kept me from really succumbing to horrible situations Um, and just always finding something. It can be something small. Something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, I've been through a lot. And I feel like I've had to deal with a lot of hardship in life. But then at the same time, sometimes you're ahead and sometimes you're behind in that regard. There's always going to be someone who's suffered more than you. 
I was with my family for Thanksgiving and they're Persian, part of the family's Persian. So we're watching the Iranian news and it's devastating. I can't say that I've ever experienced anything like that. So always be grateful for small things and think about things that you take for granted more often than you do. Beautiful. I I will cry on this podcast. I nearly did that. But I think (laughs) as well... What we're trying to establish, if you want to submit videos or questions or songs, do that however you wish. But what we'd love to do is have videos of you guys because we want wild songwriters. I think I want to be aware that even bringing Emily on, you know, we're not bringing Emily on to like a mountain to shout down at you. This podcast is kind of like dug underground. We are looking for things that will serve people that we think are similar to us. So if you are listening to the podcast and you have a question or you want to tell us how shit we are, we would love to hear from you and we're trying to build this family. I think Emily has a incredible spirit. I think, as I said, you know, quite, quite heartwarming spirit considering what she's been through. There's an element of having put herself through it, you know, so we had to have those frank, frank conversations like, right, how can we address the things that maybe will help you go forward? So if you want to work with someone who's incredibly honest, I think she's fucking nuts, which is good. That makes you make sure you reach out to her. But um, as I said, you'll be hearing from probably the both of us, definitely Emily on her own as well with, with the help desk. So been amazing. Thanks for having me on your help desk show, Emily. Thanks for coming. Sweet. So everything will be in the show notes. You want to reach out questions, send that via email or get in touch through social media. Thank you very much. And let's say goodbye to the people, Emily. One, two, three. Goodbye. Bye. To find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram and don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I Wish I Knew That Pod at gmail.com and we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.